0: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Do you know anyone who is elite? Not average, not just going through the emotions, not afraid of doing something hard in life. I'm talking truly elite, and I would say our next guest fits that description to a T, and that is the head wrestling coach at The Ohio State University, Coach Tom Ryan.
1: You guys, this man was incredible to talk to. He's actually the very first wrestling coach in Ohio State history to win a national championship.
0: That's true, but what impressed me the most is what he has done in his personal life and how he's led his family through a heartbreaking tragedy.
1: This conversation has a little bit of everything, funny, inspiring, moving, and us getting Invited to a wrestling meet.
0: And you crying when he invited us. Oh my gosh, yes, and I'm so freaking (laughs) excited.
1: You guys, we can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Coach Tom Ryan. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And
0: during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery.
1: Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future Okay, you keep talking to this guy, and I want you to stop so we can start our conversation. I'm
0: sorry. I've been so looking forward You've to this been conversation. you so
1: excited. When he said yes, I thought you're going to lose your mind. Well,
0: I thought you were going to scare him when he got on this Zoom call as well. So <laughs> thankfully, he's still here. He's
1: still here, thankfully.
0: Yes. Well, friends, our next guest is someone I would call elite. He is entering his 17th season as the Ohio State University's wrestling coach and guided them to the school's first national championship back in 2015. And he is author of the book, Chosen Suffering. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to tell us a good story, Coach Tom Ryan. He's
1: here! Hey, good to be with you guys.
0: (laughs) Coach, thank you for saying yes to us. And when I was doing my research, I was shocked to find out in Ohio State's 100 plus year history, you're the very first coach to lead them to a national championship. I, I would not have guessed that. So since you won that national championship at I-State, what's kind of changed for you? I guess whether it's public perception of you in the wrestling community or how your wife treats you, what, <laughs> what <laughs> that has <doesn't> changed? Change.
2: <laughs> no amount of wins can help that. That's not, that's not changing. Uh, I, I would say just um, influence, a bit of influence, which really matters to me. When I left Hofstra, we were happy at Hofstra, my family. It was the East Coast, you know, I was a head wrestling coach out there. We, we were very happy. Family was out there. There, was, there were a lot of great things about Hofstra. But the number one thing, the number one reason why we moved from Hofstra to Ohio State was one, you know, we, we had some, some tragedy around that time. But the real, the biggest thing was just influence. And the fact that at a place like Ohio State, if you do well, you can really have an influence in many ways. So I would say for whatever reason, when you win people think you know more than when you lose. And the reality <laughs> is you may not. Right? So that, that national championship really gave us, you know, more of a platform of voice. i um, not much of a different man than I was when I had the Hofstra logo on, but for some reason, people think that, Hey, he's got that Ohio state logo. He must know something. So the combination of the power of the logo and success has really given me a chance to really share what I love the most and what I think are some of most important things that, you know, young people should know. So it's been fun since 15, but we got to win some more and we will.
1: So Kevin was telling me a story that wrestling was not your first love. Can you tell us a story about seventh grade basketball tryouts?
2: <laughs> That's true. So Mr. O'Leary was a seventh grade basketball coach. Now I thought I was sweet. You know, from second grade <laughs> to like sixth grade, I scored like 10 points a game. And I made some all-star teams and the seventh grade tryouts come and I try out. And Mr. O'Leary, you know, back in the day, there was no warm, fuzzy meetings. It was just on the locker room wall. Here's who made the team. So I show up this Friday morning and I go into the locker room and my name's not on the made the team list. So right away, I go in to see Mr. O'Leary. Mr. O'Leary, I think you made a mistake. (laughs) Where's my name? My name's on it. He was the seventh grade basketball coach. And my, you know, I thought I was going to play in the NBA. Basketball was my, was a real passion. And Mr. O'Leary said, Tom, listen, you didn't make the team. He said, Look, you foul a lot. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> you know, you're not a great shooter, but you're very, but you're very aggressive. So you should maybe try something like wrestling. So Mr. O'Leary suggested wrestling. I went home that night at the dinner table. My brother was older than me. He was getting into wrestling. He's like, You're gonna wrestle, that's a great idea. I'm like, there is no way I'm wrestling. But the biggest concern I had was that singlet. Have you seen the, the uniforms that wrestlers wear? Oh, yeah. Of course. Right. I'm like, I'm not wearing that thing. There's just no way. So my brother's like, listen, you don't wear that in practice. You just wear shorts and a t-shirt. You're going to love it. First day in the room, it was God's plan for me. I mean, I fell deeply in love with it the first workout. And from that point forward, I was all in.
0: I love that you felt too much. Yeah, you're, like You're super aggressive. <laughs> There's a
1: different calling on your life. <laughs> there might be a different sport for that you should look at. Yeah. Okay. So you, then you walk on to Iowa to be coached under Dan Gable. Tell us why you did that.
2: So Syracuse was a great option for me. They offered me a full scholarship. My brother was uh, one of the leaders on the team at the time, but my deep dream was to be at the University of Iowa. As a young wrestler, once I got into it, all of my learning and training happened uh, at the University of Iowa. They, They run some really good wrestling camps and I would spend a month Of my life uh, over the summer at these wrestling camps, so I really had an affinity toward the University of Iowa. But they never called, right? They were not interested in me. So I, I gladly went to Syracuse University. And again, my family didn't have a ton of money, so the full scholarship really obviously helped my family. I'm with my brother. I'm on a full scholarship. After two years at Syracuse, you know, I would say there's a difference between, you know, doing something and being drawn to it, right? And I was really drawn. I was drawn to being the best wrestler that I could be. And it was that pull that led me to transfer to University of Iowa. So at the end of my sophomore year, um, I packed my car and drove out to University of Iowa. I stayed in a hotel. I stayed in my car. I stayed with a guy that uh, got to know me there. It was, it was kind of like a, you know we all have these crossroads in life. The line in the sand for me. I kept thinking, you know, I don't want to be on my deathbed wondering, know how good of a wrestler i could be i got to go underneath this legendary coach dan gable and just see how good i could be and the reality was you know there was a guy in my weight class that was better than me at the time but it just didn't matter i felt like my best chance of being the best me was going to be under a guy like dan so i packed my car and head out to university of iowa walked on at the end of my first year at iowa you know they offered me a tuition scholarship which was incredibly helpful but the other thing I want to point out in this, in this, and I look back on it, and I look at my family and my mom and dad, and even my brother, who was my roommate and training partner, none of them said, you're crazy. What are you doing? You're giving up a $40,000 scholarship. And again, we didn't have a lot of means, but it was always, we're behind you. And I think the single greatest thing that a parent, a father can give to their son is belief. They trusted me. They believed in me. And it really gave me the strength to pursue some things that, you know, I think often people might have been fearful to do. But And it worked out. Yes. And it worked out. So thank God for that.
0: Well, I'm sure there was a few welcome to Iowa moments, like welcome to big boy wrestling. (laughs) But I want to confirm a story. Okay. So I read a story. That a guy by the name of Randy Lewis. Yeah. Randy Lewis apparently was the 1984 gold medal winner okay. at the LA Olympics. He went to Iowa and apparently he practiced with coach Ryan and his team back in the day.
1: Oh, that's smart.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it true that you would go up to Randy Lewis and he would put his hands behind his back and was like, good <laughs> luck. Go
2: ahead. Like grab my leg. Wow. Good luck. Is is that true? You've done some good research. You guys are ready. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that is true. Yeah, Randy was, his defense was incredible. Like you said, Olympic champion, 1984, multiple time national champion at the University of Iowa. And his hips were so good. His balance was so good that he would let me start in any position I wanted and he would end up on top. And Randy Lewis really helped me become a better finisher. So getting to the leg is one thing, finishing or taking someone down is something different and I think the analogy in golf would be like you you drive for show yes you putt, putt for, for dough yes right in wrestling you kind of shoot for show but you finish for the dough okay and Randy really helped me learn how to finish because he presented so many problems so anyway it's uh yeah Randy that's a true story Randy was a was a Gosh. great partner and a great a great example of in the wrestling world of being elite and the room was filled with people like that like we have at Ohio State now if Ohio State in nineteen eighty nine when I left Syracuse was like it is now, I would have come to Ohio State. I love this place. <laughs> That's a good recruiting. Tool. That's a very That's right, good recruiting. But
0: it wasn't. Yes. yes. Steph, what's most important to you when it comes to building a new home?
1: Okay. I want a builder who's an expert in what they do. Is going to be honest with me and cares about even the smallest of details. Well,
0: thankfully we know just the builder.
1: You know it. It's Jay and Connie Luby with Luby Companies.
0: Friends, don't just take our word for it. Go check out their website at lubycompanies.com. That's L-U-E-B-B-E companies.com.
1: Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome.
0: Okay, coach. Steph and I were watching videos of you. Okay, I had I to love show this. I had to show Steph a video of you it's this morning.
1: It's the best. It makes me love you even <laughs> this, more.
0: This is one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. All right? So, listeners, if you go to YouTube, all right, and you type in Coach Tom Ryan freaking out during Steber's final wrestling match. What is going to come up is a hilarious 1-minute <laughs> video of coach watching his wrestler and I don't know why, but you're underneath the stands.
1: Yeah, why are you watching the stands?
0: your wrestler on TV? And you are literally like losing your mind, coach. It's
1: back and forth. Yeah, pacing. This, what pacing.
0: happened there? Do you yeah. know what
2: I'm talking about? Yeah, that was Logan Stever's freshman year at the national championships. Uh, the reason why I wasn't in the corner is NCAA rules only allow a certain number of coaches, and I always try to have my assistant coaches in the corner as well. They do a great job. They're very close at Logan. They spent a lot of time with him during the year. So I stay back, and they were on the they were on the arena floor. Now, granted, the national championships in wrestling, for the viewers that may not know the magnitude of the sport, it's the sixth largest participation sport in the country. There's over 20, 21,000 people at the finals. There's over 110, 110 120,000 people attend the championships every March. So it's a big event. Well, I'm under the bleachers, and there was so much at stake. Number one, the Stevers are amazing people. He and his brother were superstars out of Ohio. They went to Monroeville, and he was a he was a massive recruit for us. And we love him. And we knew this. We knew that this was a guy that could rewrite history. We knew when we recruited him, based on his success, his character, his work ethic, right the way this guy lived his life, that he could win four national titles. Now, there's only been, before him, three men to ever do it. Wow. I happened to... I happen to lose to the first guy to ever do it uh, in the finals. He beat me. So now I'm coaching someone in the finals that can win four. Now, this is he was going for his first title, Logan. So I'm under the bleachers watching this, and he's wrestling a guy that actually beat him during the year. Okay. The guy had in the finals is fantastic, Jordan Oliver. So, I mean, we win the match, and I'm going to run on the floor to celebrate with him. Like, I got to get through the security guard, though. So the security guard tries to grab me. <laughs> And I duck him, <laughs> yes. and I run into the arena floor, <laughs> yes. and I celebrate with my guy. But uh, it was just an amazing moment of you know someone who really was the underdog. So you had that you had that holy cow moment where he beat him, he beat him, and we were just so happy for him and his family. And yeah, I was a little bit over the top,
1: coach. It was so funny because at the very end, when you ducked under the security guard, Kevin looked at me. He's like, yeah. "That security guard had no chance, no chance, <laughs> he had no,
2: no chance, chance to, to stop it. Ryan. try." Yeah, he, he, like, was little, he was a little slow. A little, yeah, he wasn't oh quite ready for that. <laughs> Most people wouldn't do
0: that. So, okay. So, follow up with what you just said about Logan. I'll be honest. We don't know much about wrestling.
2: Yeah, okay? yeah. So we're gonna get you to some matches this year. Yeah, get you involved. We would we'll love that. We'll get you some good. We'll get you some good seats right on the floor.
0: We would love that. I say if you need a loud one, uh, we're we're yeah, good no, for we that. Yeah,
1: no, we do.
2: We do. <laughs> we. Want, we I'll it, be cheering. It. So. I love it.
0: But with recruiting, mm-hmm. right, with wrestling, it's mental. more about mental toughness in yes. the discipline versus your physical talent, your physical traits. So when you are recruiting a 16-year-old, a 17-year-old, how can you judge, okay, I think this kid can truly be elite?
2: Yeah, well, that's a great question. And that's the magic question. Right? We talk a lot with our staff about this crystal ball, right? What is this crystal ball? Because a lot of them often look very much alike. They've won three state titles. They've placed at national events. You know, they're, they're ranked among the top three or four, you know, men in the country. And uh, there are some traits that we look for that based on their past, right, success leaves clues, right, based on their past, if they continue to live the way they're living, you might think they're going to have the success that, you know, we're, we, we need them to have to be the best wrestling program in the country. So the number one thing that we look for, uh, number one, there's, there's many, and there, it's not like one and two is way behind number one, but aggression matters. Okay. So aggression, right? Someone who's willing to take chances, right? In life, right? We've got to be willing to put ourselves out there and take chances. So aggression matters. Someone that's an attacking mindset improves more quickly than a defensive mindset. And someone's afraid to take risks. So when we watch video of them, we're looking for someone that's constantly trying to score points. My recruiting coordinator is named Anthony Ralph. He's fantastic. And have you ever seen the movie Moneyball? Yes. But he's a Moneyball fanatic. And he does Moneyball for our recruits. So he tracks every match. He sees how much the margin of victory, how tough their opponent was. And he comes up with a score. We actually score them. Aggression is a big one. Young men that take initiative, right? So we, rec- we talk to a lot of people before we go and recruit somebody. When I visit a school, I'll meet with the janitor. Really? I'll meet with the, uh, the janitor. I'll meet with you know, the principal, the athletic director. We talk to teammates, right? We really want to get to know this person. So initiative is a big one, um, Obviously, grades are a big one, right? There's a correlation between people that are disciplined in every area of their life. Um, emotional control is a huge one, right? What are they, what are they like when they win? But what are they like when they lose? So emotional control is a big one, right? You're going to be under pressure. There's just a lot of pressure in competing at this level. So those are some of the traits that we look for.
0: Oh, that's good.
2: Of course, work ethic is huge, right? Character is huge. When we, when we follow young people, I'll follow them on Instagram. Potential recruits, we have actually dropped off of high level recruits because of what they're following on Instagram, not only what they're posting. So, a, a negative post will address right away with them, but also what are you following? You know, we, we use the term in Ohio State Wrestling, the being the landlord of your mind. I right? know okay. how critical it is that we, what we're giving our eyes to, what we're giving our mind to, and we have the right to allow things in, but also the right to evict things. So, we look at again, what they're following, what they're tweeting. And it gives us it gives us somewhat of a sense of who this person really is. Our first call with most recruits is like this: it's a Zoom, and we have the, we ask for the whole family to be there so we can see how the young man re, you know responds to his mother. If his mother says something, and he doesn't talk to her in the right way, like that's that's a that's a that's a big warning sign, right? That's like whoa whoa, whoa, whoa 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 what's that all about? So we see how they interact with their siblings. You know, some of them. This heavyweight we got uh, Nick Feldman, we fell in love with him immediately. First call. His little brother's on his lap. They're hugging each other. I mean, they're real. And the family's communicating. And when but when dad's talking, he's not. When mom's talking, he sits quiet. And he's one of the best headweights in the country. He was the number one overall recruit in the country. But those are the type of men that we're looking for. Wow. You know, oh, men of high character. That's so, yeah. good. So
1: it's,
2: yeah, it's the lifeline, right? It's who we surround ourselves with. It's just a lifeline to any organization. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we also know there are young people and they make mistakes and they're not perfect and our responsibility is to help them grow. So it isn't like, well, when they're not perfect, we shun them, right? It's oh, you're not perfect. It's like, well, I haven't been perfect most of my life, right? So so those are some of the traits that we look for, yeah.
1: Okay. In your collegiate career or in your coaching career, I want to hear a great memory that Mm. you can think of.
2: I would say probably, ironically, I would say that one of the best memories I have in my wrestling career, obviously, you know, I was on some really great teams and around some great leaders and, and had amazing teammates. I've had a couple of teammates win Olympic gold medals and, and world championships and, you know, really fortunate to be some teams that won national team championships. But I would say, ironically, right, probably the single most memorable moment in my life was my sophomore year in high school. Really? Really? Yeah. You know, and the stakes, you know, the stakes at every age are high for young people. You know, it's like, well, I didn't know I was going to wrestle the national finals or a big 10 championship. But at the time of my life, I was a sophomore. My brother was a senior. My brother is just a great example. As I said, we're really close. We talk every day, despite the fact that his life's crazy and mine's kind of busy. You know, we make time for each other. And he won the county, which is like the 60 teens in the county. We won the county championships. And as a kid growing up, being a county champion, he was like, oh my God, like- It's a big deal. But there was no world. We were living in our county. And that's, that was the end of the world, right? <laughs> right? It was a 60-mile area, and that was it. And uh, he won it. He won it his senior year. And then I was wrestling a guy that beat me during the year. And I won the counties also. And I would say that that night, just celebrating with him, the fact that we had both done something that we had set our, our minds to together was really a special moment for us. And I had this great uncle. That, you know My only uncle, Tony, anytime we won, He had such a passion for the sport and loved us so much. He would pick us up from the event and the whole way home, he'd be honking the horn. And, you know, when we and we didn't like a spectacle like I wasn't. But it was just so cool that I had someone that loved what I did as much as I did it. You know, he'd be we'd we'd pulled in the neighborhood and he pulled the windows down and he's honking and he made it like we were embarrassed. But we kind of like loved this guy, loved what we did. So I would say of all the things, you know, of all the times, I got a lot of great memories and a lot of great people in my life that have helped me along the way, but that's one of them. And then maybe when Gable called me at my apartment and said, I want you to come and meet me in the office. When I came in and I didn't know why he wanted to meet with me. It's like Coach Gable. I mean, I was never in his office. So he called me and he said, Hey, I'm going to give you a, a tuition scholarship next year. This was in December of my first year walking on. And the joy there was just simply one a legendary man that I have a tremendous respect for noticed that I might actually be able to help him. Right. And he didn't le- didn't seem that way early on. I was getting beat up quite a bit. And then just you know the joy of my family that, Hey, you know, we got this tuition is covered. Oh, and, that's uh, awesome. You know, So it was a really good moment. That was a good moment for me. Probably the best moment for me as a competitor in college. And the other one obviously was a high school, young high school kid. All
0: right, Steph, i got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time?
1: Uh, Obviously, You Met Her Where. Oh, I
0: thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. (laughs) What's your second favorite book of all time?
1: You Met Her Where?
0: (laughs) (laughs) A distant second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book.
1: Sorry, God. It's still a pretty pretty good book.
0: But we're so excited. Where can people get our book, honey?
1: Okay, I know this. Uh, amazon.com yes barnes noble yes and and our website kevinstuff.com and, and, and
0: what happens if they buy it off our website <gasps> uh, what do they get
1: uh, an autograph from us yes who wouldn't want that
0: so listeners if you've already read the book thank you so much we've had such good feedback one thing that helps us if you can give us a review on amazon.com we would greatly appreciate it thank you so much and thank you for listening Well, Coach, let me share some fun facts on you, okay? So okay. for all of our guests, I like to share a list of fun facts that lets our listeners know more about you and Steph as well. So Steph is not aware of any of this. So Coach, you're going to okay. see her genuine reaction here when I okay. give my these fun calm facts. calm Her reaction. very calm, very I calm it. reaction. <laughs> yeah.
2: It reminds me okay. of my wife. My wife has a lot of energy, and we have a grandson was yes. the greatest gift ever. And he loves her because every time he sees her, She's so animated. And he, right, he's just like, oh, this person must love this person. Is, I love this person.
0: You know. So. So, so, Steph, as Coach just mentioned, mm-hmm. right, at Iowa, his wrestling career is just crazy. He transferred from Syracuse, wrestled Iowa for two years. At Iowa, he was a two-time Big Ten champion. Oh! Two-time NCAA All-American, took second in the 1991 NCAA tournament. Third in the nineteen ninety two NCAA tournament and was part of two national championship teams in two years at Iowa.
1: Isn't that crazy? Like they didn't even recruit you and then you come on, you walk yeah. on, and you have this amazing career there.
0: Like, yeah, coach, I think I can help you yes, in this program.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. So Coach Ryan's record at high state stuff is 185 and 63. That's a seventy five percent winning percentage.
1: That's amazing.
0: He's coached six Buckeyes to 12 national titles, including four-time champion Logan Steeper, like he mentioned, and Olympic gold medalist Kyle Snyder, who is a three-time NCAA champion. I'm curious. Do you still
2: wrestle with your guys in practice? Do you still do that, coach? I do. I do. I wrestle guys that are very small and very tired at the end of practice. <laughs> it's, the like one the one.
0: End, it's like the last yeah. thing you do in practice.
2: Yes. <laughs> I surveyed a room, and it's like, okay, he looks tired enough, and he's <laughs> light enough. I think I'm going to go grab him and beat him up for a while.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. That's good. All right, Steph, you're ready for this. Mm-hmm. Coach Ryan is an ordained minister. He's officiated multiple weddings of his, of, athletes. Of his former athletes.
1: <gasps> oh, I love yeah, that's that. Fun.
0: That's a lot of fun.
2: So what about your kids? Have you married your kids? I married my my second son, Jake. Okay. My daughter didn't want me to because she knew I would cry the whole time. So my daughter Mackenzie, you know, we have we have four children. Yes. And uh I've officiated actually I officiated just recently. So my second son got married first. So I officiated his wedding. My first son, let's see, he got married third, so I officiated his wedding. Okay. So my two boys I did, my daughter didn't want me to. Uh, she 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 knew, she knew. Yes, just my speech. I, I yes. couldn't keep it together. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So
0: so, what led you to do that? Was it like, hey guys, I can save you some money. Let me do it. Or how did that? How did that start? Well,
2: I, I wish it was my thinking, but it wasn't. A great man named Alex Picasso that wrestled for me at Ohio State. I introduced him to his eventual wife. Okay. And the way I did it was kind of goofy, like a two-year-old. I kind of pushed him into her, and he bumped into her. <laughs> No, just, just a real, he was, <laughs> and and he really thought she was beautiful and he was too, you know, afraid to, to say something. So I just kind of nudged him into her. we was, it was picture day at school. Anyway, they fell in love. It was a great love story. They're in love now. They got multiple children and, and their life's incredible. So when he asked her to marry him, she said, yes. And he called me. He said, listen, we got to finish this the way we, we started it. And, uh, you know, you, you started this, so you're going to finish it. So you want to be the officiant at the wedding. So I said, well, I've never done this before. It was a couple of years back. So I said, of course, to would be honored to. So that got it started. And I did a decent job at it. So people at the wedding saw it. And now it's become, you know, I've done many, many of my student athletes, weddings and and some friends and neighbors.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Steph, if we ever want to renew our vows for an there anniversary, go. just go to Coach Ryan. Coach Ryan. Ryan.
1: Most of the people would come just so they could see him officiate. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure was, yeah. I, he'd be crying the whole time, though. Obviously. So it might be tough for him to get through yeah. it, right, for us. but That's right. <laughs> that's really funny. Okay, so besides, another fun fact, apparently he plays Cupid as well, right? There you go. Matchmaker. Yeah. All right, Steph. So we know wrestlers are a different breed. Mm-hmm. So I saw an interview where Coach Ryan said one of his life goals at the time was one of his sons had just recently gotten married. And he said one of his life goals was when his son had a grandkid, quote, he wanted to wrestle them and beat them. (laughs) (laughs) So you just became a grandfather to a grandson. So how is that going to work, Coach? Is it like, hey, Rhett, you got to wrestle Gramps for Christmas this year. Sorry, that's it's tradition. That's right. So, how how does this work in the the Ryan family?
2: So I see, I visualize, right? I visualize my children having children, and I want to be healthy enough that I can actually beat them and wrestle them. Well This is, right? So I'm 53 now. This is going to be. I'm going to be in in my late 60s, early 70s, and there's no way. That I'll be able to do that unless I, right, we call it, right, we we choose acute pain over chronic pain. Okay. Right. So, which is on a daily basis, right, you do something hard. I believe, yeah, I list out my beliefs, right, challenge my entire team. I've got a really good life coach named Chet Scott who owns a company called Built to Lead. Could be an amazing interview. He's a fantastic man. But he kind of, he he helps me. And we, we talk about our I believes and our I love tos. Right, and listing out the things that we believe, and then, of course, knocking them against your actions. And is there a gap between your belief and your action? Well, I have a belief, right? I have a belief that, you know, example is the greatest teacher. So if I can take care of myself well enough, so that when Rhett is in high school, you know, his grandfather can beat him. I mean, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Right. So again, it's choosing. And listen, that never happens. Right. If 18 years from now, if I'm sitting on my my can all day and all night, eating chips all day and all night and not taking care of myself. And then 18 years from now, it's like, okay, right. I'm going to whip you. Well, every day on a daily basis, right. I think it's a challenge and it's hard. Do something hard. So as long as I do that, do something hard every day that I believe that I should be healthy enough to get some points on this guy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, Steph, when I was a kid, right, we'd always joke like, hey, my dad can beat up your dad. Yeah. Well, Rhett's like, hey, my grandfather can beat up (laughs) your whole family is how this is going to be. Okay. So final fun fact. In 2019, Coach shared his inspiring story in his book titled Chosen Suffering, Becoming Elite in Life and Leadership. So I want to share a quote, Steph, from this book. I actually shared this with you earlier. Mm -hmm. So here's a quote the worst thing of my life up until age 35 was that I had lost a wrestling match. When the worst thing that has ever happened to you in life is losing a wrestling match. You have no perspective. So can you share with listeners here And this, again, this book is amazing coach, but can you share with listeners what happened on February 16th, 2004?
2: Yeah. So I would say that, you know, up, up until that point at 35 years old, there were, there were challenges in life, but nothing, nothing broke me. No occurrence in my life or someone I cared about. Nothing happened that, that dropped me to my knees. And that on February 16, 2004, me and my family were dropped to our knees. And quite frankly, uh, I didn't know where to go from there. So it was, uh, you know, we have four children I was a head wrestling coach at Hofstra. The team was doing well. And, uh, it was president's day, my four children, three boys and my, my daughter, Mac, uh, all came to work with me that day. We played together all day in the wrestling room. You know, I said, there's no safer place in the world for young kids than in a wrestling room. Right. Everything's padded. (laughs) The floors, the walls, the mats, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The mats. I mean, it's, it's a, it's just a great place for kids to grow up. So, um, we get home that night. We have a great day. It was President's Day. We get home that night. Dinner's on the table. And, um, you know, we sit down for dinner. We have a great dinner. We're telling stories about the day. And then one of one of them had to shower first. It was my five-year-old son, Teague. He was voted by the family to shower first. And he was he was an ornery little guy. He gets up from the table, starts running around the house. My wife starts chasing him. We kind of had an open floor plan. We saw it, the chase happening. You know, we're screaming and yelling, let's go, let's get him, get him. So my wife kind of hides behind this wall and then she picks him up. She kind of, she startles him a little bit and grabs him. And then she's walking with him to the back of the house and we're all at the table and we're still laughing. But I can tell you that I remember in that moment when she picked him up, something overwhelmed me. There was a sense that something was wrong, but I thought nothing of it, right? Because nothing was wrong, we thought. So she goes to the back of the house and within seconds, she's screaming that he wasn't breathing. So I run to the back of the house and I grab Teague. Listen, this is a five year old healthy kid. He could do many pull ups. He could run all day. He could rest. He was very fit. He was a coach's son, right? He was with me all the time. And thank God I was always with him. I didn't need a lesson in time management with my kids. They mattered to me. Um, So I grab him. I put him on the coffee table. I can't get a pulse on him. So I start performing CPR. My wife calls 911. And after about 12 minutes, the ambulance arrives at the house. At one point, I thought I heard the ambulance coming, so I picked him up and ran him about 100 yards up the street to get him in the ambulance sooner, but uh, it wasn't an ambulance. It was the police on another call, so I run him back to the house, keep doing CPR. The ambulance finally arrives. They run some tests, code blue, code blue. They put him in the ambulance. By then, a neighbor had come over to stay with our children, my three other children. My wife and I jump in the car, and we follow the ambulance, and uh, you know, two things happened you know, on that ride from my house to the, to the hospital, I called my brother. I said, Teague fell over. Something's wrong. He's unconscious. He's going to this hospital. Please let the family know. We had seven children in the family. They were going to meet us there. And then the second thing we, we did was my wife and I started to pray together. And uh, we hadn't really prayed much as a couple. You know, we were, we were married for, you know, almost 11 years at that time. And, and we were just busy living life. And, and God wasn't really the center of our life. We were just busy doing things and, and and living. We prayed together. We got to the hospital. After an hour and a half, family had gathered. And the surgeon just comes out and he said, Mr. and Mrs. Ryan, was so sorry. We, we we couldn't save him. And at that moment, I mean, mm. you know, yeah. So uh, we, we were both, you know, life was shattered. We were shattered. You know, it was not the way life um, the life that I thought I was promised was going to go, you know, you work hard, you do things the right way and you control the things you can control. And I never considered that a child dies before their, their parents, uh, and certainly wasn't going to be mine, but we're left to pick up the pieces. And I'm the right, one of the leaders of the house and, and we get home and I would say the toughest moment of my life was pulling in that driveway. I would say by far. Ah, oh. so we pull in the driveway and the kids come running out. And of course, right jake's eight jordan was 11 Macky was three t was five and they come running out and jake as i opened the, the door of the car he said where is he you know where's t and the crazy wild thing is as a 35 year old grown man leading people i really didn't know i couldn't answer that question and that became this next line of sand for me the first line of sand was being the best wrestler i could am i going to leave syracuse and walk on that was a line in the sand but it really paled in comparison to this one and that simply was where is he? And what are the options? Where could he be? And that became really the ultimate quest and journey. That's been beautiful for me. It's been a beautiful journey. And it's the two options that every human being is faced with. And I took a piece of paper and left side, I wrote God. And on the right side, I wrote no God, right? A pure evolution or a God. And which one is true. And my journey became, is God real or not? And I studied and I learned and I listened and I read And instead of listening to rock and roll on the way to work, I listened to brilliant minds and what they believe and why they believe it. And I read tons of books. And ultimately, as you guys both know, it became unbelievably clear to me that God is real. And it wasn't I wasn't chasing God, I wasn't pursuing God, right? I was pursuing truth. And I say, like I don't know where my children would be uh, if my wife and I didn't really turn to Christ and really believe. I think I was a strong enough man that I wouldn't have allowed right my children to suffer through having a father that couldn't get over a tragedy or having a, a mother that couldn't go over a tragedy. Because we know that right marriages break up. Yes. And often children are almost orphaned because their parents cannot deal with the heartache of the loss. So I think that wouldn't have been me, but I don't know that. All I do know is what happened and how it played out. And that's God.
0: So at that time, like you said, you're drawing a line in the sand. I need to answer this question. Is there a God? Is there not a God? So you start researching religions, whether it's Catholicism, Christianity, looking at atheism, being an atheist. So what was the tipping point where it was like, okay, this is truth. This is what I'm anchoring myself to that. There is a God who loves me, who cares for me, who wants to have a relationship with me.
2: Sure. Sure. So I got a lot of ton of DVDs on pure just evolution So i started watching films on evolution and not only the truths in it because of course we know things evolve but also some of the some of the concerns about it right some of some of the potential not lies but the way you can be misled as a young person with pure evolution in schools these days right so so i did look at evolution and then also i turned to great minds a guy named lee strobel a friend of mine said start in john so I, i went to write to the bible and john Like I I often say, you know, God forbid something happened to you, Kev. If I really wanted to know you, right? It's like, Steph, who tell me about him. Who was this man? And what did he stand for? And what did he teach? And so John was just a friend of Christ, right? He was a friend of his. He palled around with him. He knew him really well. So I went to John and read about John and Mark and so these men that knew him. And when I started to read scripture, I was blown away by what I was reading, the standard of excellence, the standard of elite. He's the ultimate example of elite. It's like you know i know a lot of men now that didn't follow christ or were faithless early on and know god now and they're so grateful i don't know a single person that knows him and wishes they didn't mm. right like it's just you know religion can distort and religion yes. has caused wars and pain but the relationship with christ i just believe he was who he said he was and i go to him for the he's the source of perfection he's the source so so I read a guy named Lee Strobel. I read a lot of Lee Strobel stuff. He wrote a book called The Case for Christ, which blew me away. I mean, he was a Yale graduate, top at Yale Law School. He was an atheist turned Christian. You know, when I had a twenty-four in my ACT, you know, Lee probably had a thirty-six on his ACT. Right? It's <laughs> like, let me go to minds that can think about things that maybe mine. Maybe I'm missing something. Let me go to the most brilliant minds that we know of. So I read a lot of these brilliant, brilliant men brilliant women and what they believed and how they came to faith and why his story, the case for Christ is incredible. They made a movie about it. Then I read his book, the case for faith. Then I read his book, the case for create. I read Rick Warren, Maxwell, I mean, just so many writers and I got into scripture and it became overwhelmingly clear to me that, you know, so many people, I think they make up their mind first and then they, they only apply the facts that fit their theory. Yes. And that happens all the time in the world. This was pure open-minded. Let me just grab a bunch of information and see where it takes me. And it took me down this journey. I'm so sure of what I believe. Uh, There's no wavering. And I've seen some terrible things happen to some amazing people. Listen, it's hard to comprehend. In my human experience, it's hard to comprehend how bad things can happen to great people. But it doesn't delineate the fact that he he was what he said he was. So so I I turned to God. And life's been not free of pain, but there's a sense of joy, right? That I live with that I didn't have before.
1: So you talk about that pain. Yeah. How do you handle it when that the grief, the grief just hits you? Cause so many people are listening yeah. and they're like, how he says he's a Christian, god's your savior he's good all the time but that grief's still there there's
2: moments yes right where this stuff pops up
1: so how do you handle those situations coach well
2: well i can tell anyone that's grieving right that year one was pure misery there's there's not uh six at the table there's five at the table right and and the heartache for my children so grief is real and it's really important that we one, there's, there's brilliant minds out there that can help us with our grief. Like, Don't be afraid to talk about it. I cried every night. I, I still cry. After this interview, I'll probably go and think about a memory, a moment, right? We're talking about that moment in the hospital and replay that and revisit it. Grief is normal and it's important for us. It's important for us to grieve. Now, I'll also say that my wife and I went to some organizations where there were people that 40 years later were still stuck. Right. And then it really gave me a person that's not going to be me like it helped me seeing what we don't want helps us as much as what we do want. Like that's I'm not, I'm not going to be that, you know, where my life is has fallen apart and it's 40 years later. So getting help is really important. Talking to people about it is really important, knowing that I couldn't get out of bed. So the days and the weeks and the months uh, were very, very hard. But I I will say that time just taught me a new normal, right? This is 18 years ago now that we've lost our son, 18 years. I've lived three times as many years without him as I did with him. And time definitely, it just teaches us a new normal. So, you know, grief is real. Talk to people. Don't try to do it on your own. Uh, It's okay to cry. It's okay to remember. We tell stories. We have his birthday every year. We celebrate his birthday still. You know, we talk about all the things we love about him. And it's, I think it's extremely healthy too. He's not gone. He's, he's gone from this place, but we'll see him again. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot to unpack with grief.
0: Well, I have a quote here from your son, Jake. Yeah. And Jake is what? Now 27,
1: probably?
2: Uh, yeah, he was 27.
0: So Jake, here's a quote from him, Steph. The positive in this situation is that Teague really saved our family because we didn't have a relationship with Christ at the time. Mm. So from Coach and his wife putting a line in the sand, doing research, what are we going to anchor ourselves to as a family? What is truth? has saved his family. Now, mm-hmm. like he said, his family's come to Christ. They all have relationships. Now he's got a grandkid. They're all married. Mm-hmm. And look at what's happened since that moment that they've mm-hmm. all found Christ. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing.
1: What made you start to write the book, Coach?
2: I mean, some of my supporters, a lot of, a lot of people close to me just had heard me speak about it and felt that, you know, look, the reason why I didn't want to write it what wasn't interested is because of just to the humility side, like, oh, I've got this book out. And I wrote this book. And you know, that whole sense of, you know, this is all about God. Mm. Right. This is God's hand in my life is undeniable. Right. I can go back now and look at every stage of my life, like, wow, he was there. He was there. He was there. It, it could have been way worse. But he he had to have his hand on me at that time. So people heard me speak and felt that it would be, to your point, you pointed out a a moment ago, just it could be healing for people and it could be a way for people. People are going to relate to this. And it's very relatable. Uh, I mean, not everyone loses a child, but people, you know, struggle with alcoholism, a drug addiction, or, you know, just loss of a parent at a young age. Like there's so many things that we go through that are hard that they could relate to. So that was really what, what spurred it on. You know, it was during COVID, you know, that really the book, the book got some legs. Like it, was just, it was just the right time. It was God's plan, God's timing. And I often joke about the book and say, well, it was during COVID that it came out and people were bored and needed something to read. So that was good. <laughs> maybe. You know, but it was just inspiring people around me really, you know, egging me on and saying, you should do it. And, and just, just good friends. You know, we all need a nudge. Yes. And it was yes. a good nudge. Well, listeners, for more information
0: about Coach Ryan, you can go to his Instagram account and Twitter. It's the same handle, at Buckeye158. At first, I'm like, what is that? What's 158? That was the weight that he wrestled at.
1: Ah.
2: It's really silly, Kevin. It's, I don't know why I did that. I mean, I, I didn't know what I was doing.
0: So his social <laughs> media handles, is at Buckeye158. I actually
1: really like yes, that. Yes, I do
0: as well. And then his book, Chosen Suffering, folks, you can get on Amazon. And that's where I got it, actually. Yep. It is amazing. Well, Coach, first off, thank you so much for saying yes to us because you didn't know us. And I just so appreciate you giving us an opportunity to talk to you and, and share these stories. But two, I want to tell you, please don't underestimate your mind, right? You, you mentioned you had a 24 in your ACT. I also got a 24 on my ACT. So I think you're Way brilliant. Go, Coach. I think you're brilliant. So please don't undersell yourself.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm going to get you guys some tickets to match. We'll, we'll stay in touch and we'll get you right in the front row and they'll all be sold out. And so it's, it's a fun environment. You guys, you have you have children?
0: We do. Yes. We've got three you three do. little ones.
1: Yes, three
2: little ones. We awesome. would love. Oh, are you crying, Steve?
1: I'm so excited.
2: <laughs> how How old are your children?
1: Have... So our oldest just turned 11 yesterday, and then we have a oh, seven okay. and a four year old.
2: Oh wow, that's like us. That's like us. Yeah, I like yeah. yeah. would love that. Little man wow. will want to
1: be on the on the mat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we We'll get him out there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic, Coach. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Yeah.